Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi. All right, there we go. All right, here we go. All right, let's get this thing started. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to listen in. I am International Shells, a.k.a. Shelly And we're in for another eventful podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I have a very, very, very special person on with me. I've got to say, there's something about being selected as being the first for something. And this brother has been around for... For the most part, my entire adult life, I got to say. I mean, we've known each other for longer than I thought we did when I thought back on it. And uh, this fella is my family without actually sharing DNA. That's the best way for me to put that out there. And with this particular guy, you know, we've seen a lot of things change in life. We've 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 matured in life. Uh as a great person has once said, this, you know, it's never as good as the first time. And this is actually my first guest. And I needed it to be someone that was very special to me. This is my family. My mother had two daughters, but she also has a son. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Francisco Gonzalez, a.k.a. Cisco, a.k.a. Sis. Good day. How are you, brother? Give me a second. I got to stop crying here. <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> Hi, what's going on? I am good. I am good. It's so good to talk to you, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend some time with me today. Anytime I get that I can spend time with you, I'm good. Oh, go on, go on. I would cry, but I'm, I I'm gonna make would... you cry too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a good meal for the day. I would cry, but I can't spare the fluid. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on man and the cool thing is i got to tell you man technology brother you know we've seen from back in the days with like ibm computers so for us to be doing something on this level via cell phone and you're in new jersey and i'm in new york it's wild stuff brother we've seen a lot of things change so tell me man how how's your day been so far over there in the wonderful world of new jersey <laughs> getting home from work you know they had to do my nine to five or seven to three job you know um <laughs> saving stupid people from themselves you know what are you hey, gonna do what it, it is pays, what? it pays the bills you know so but uh you know what i'm good i'm blessed uh, it's another day on earth and cooking right now while i talk to you can't get any better this is what i'm saying my multitasking puerto rican brother you know what that's, i'm saying that's, <laughs> what, we that's what we do multitask just, just for good measure what you cooking over there, sis? Right now, I'm making some rice. Well, the way we say it in Spanish, you know, arroz junto con bichuela, you know? Rice and beans put together, you know, the aroma in the house smells all good and stuff, you know? Yes. Feels like my mom's house. Feels like my mom's house. Happy on the comfort food. We all need it every now and then. Plus, you're over there in New Jersey where we've got that blue law kicking in tomorrow, so you can't do much tomorrow. Well, you know what? That's in the northern part of New Jersey. They're a different breed of people up there. You know, they got their own, you know, you, you, those are where the rednecks are up there in New Jersey. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether white, black, Hispanic, those are the rednecks up there, which actually I'm a fan of blue laws, especially on Sundays. I hear that. I'm a fan of it, but you know, still got to do what you got to do, you know? 
Well, of course. I mean, well, I mean, with those blue laws and the fact that you can't do certain things and you can't shop in certain places, it means those people are able to have the day off and they can actually have family time, which is great. Absolutely. Uh, me, I am a big fan of having, you know, Sundays. And we're going to talk about this later. But Sundays as family day, you know, you all get to re together. You watch whatever game's on. If you're into football, basketball, whatever, you all sit down, you have a meal together, shoot the shit and, you know. Prepare for the nonsense of the week. Happy on shooting the shit. And speaking of the blue law, I was actually introduced to that when we worked with each other. Yes. In, in New Jersey. And uh, man, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh, man. <laughs> I'm not used to that, you know? And like, uh, you, you can't go where? What? We can't go shop. I mean, and they were actually quarantining certain stores with like tape. And if you went inside and there was, you know, clothing or whatever for sale, they would physically like caution tape it off. So you can't buy any like certain things. So it was a, it was a different experience, but little did they know in that particular company we were working with, if you want to call that working, we had blue law days more times in the week than they thought we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, enjoying a, uh, fair movie here or there you know, <laughs> you know so we're, we're lucky we could we could talk about this now because i don't think any of those people are around anymore so. I, don't, I don't even know if that that company is still around like that anymore but that's a that's a whole nother situation i digress god bless them if they are still around but hey we had fun while we were there the company itself is not around but uh parts of that were part of the company are still around like you know filene's basement and ds stuff here but other than mm -hmm. that everybody else is gone Wow, we well yeah, we have, have changed, you know. This trust and believe. I mean, we've known each other since back when Nokia's had interchangeable screw-on antennas, my brother. I and remember that. my first StarTech cell phone, Ooh. and I thought I was the bomb.com then. <laughs> I'm Not like, yeah, I got a flip phone. Look at me. I'm walking down the street, looking at the girls. Like, hey, girl, yeah, look at my phone. No, 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 player. <laughs> Phones. That was back when I had the two-way pager, but not the big silver one. It was one by Motorola, and it was a colorful one, and it was transparent. It was like a little mini, mini computer to put on my hip. Actually, when we first met, I had uh, the company gave me this two-way pager that mm. was basically you just text whatever you want, and you could text the person back and forth. I actually had, I ran up to text messages. I had to pay the bill one month. <laughs> Because they didn't specify I couldn't use it, you know. I'm like, all right, I'm going to use it. Well, you know, yeah, that was $300 out of my pocket. But this is back when, you know, companies provided you with things like that. Now, I guess if they give you a pager or a phone, you're a doctor or something of that magnitude. But even back in those days, I was back when you were wearing your glazed shoes and your trench coat. Oh, my God, my trench Whoa. coat. Remember those days? You used to walk around looking like a Puerto Rican mafia boss. Those Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Back when I was in my 21 Jump Street days working undercover for that company, for them. Oh, We're not promoting was, was... on this podcast. We don't call any names. Yeah, no, no. Listen, that was fun times. I, I, I worked a lot of places. And that that time, the time frame that we worked together was like the that best like, time ever. That was like college. That was like when you get all the bugs out of being a professional person working in a, in a company. Because I mean... I remember some of the guys that used to work with us, the things that they were doing to like, you know, 
apprehend people for lack of better words whatever they shouldn't have been doing the things they were doing like i've seen people get chained to poles till the cops showed up it was wild stuff i'm like i don't think they should be doing this no, <laughs> you know, those big 32 ounce snapple bottles getting thrown at someone's face you know no that's not really a good it's light work it's light work i remember a day you know you came in just to pop into a, a, a location one day and somebody made you spill coffee on you you lost your mind I just cleaned my jacket, my trunk coat. <laughs> I just cleaned it professionally. And I'm like, you know, I spent money on this. <laughs> For the people who are listening, he's one of those really crispy, clean kinds of people. I'm talking with the hell hair gel back. This guy was cleaner than the Board of Health. And that was the beginning of his day. Coffee spilled all on him. And it was the sheer rage of that that had you kick into, you know what? That's it. I'm mopping up this coffee with your body. <laughs> you know what? It's one of those things where it, it was stupid what he did, you know? And I was willing to just listen, just give me back whatever and go. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know? And then he started acting a fool and then spilled, uh-uh, you spill it. I just cleaned it. I was so mad, like so mad because I just cleaned it. I spent a lot of money on that, you know? Back then, it was a lot of money, you know? Back then, I mean, I got to say, that's probably one of the main reasons why we ended up being as cool as we ended up being, because I'm a bit of a neat freak, germaphobe, my damn self. But the, it's you know, what makes me laugh is the fact that you still have the same power and anger behind these statements with that particular situation. And it's, this is almost 20 years ago. <laughs> this is so hard. <laughs> Listen, I don't get mad much, but like, come on, dude. Like, you know, if, if, if you would have just giving me back the stuff and left it would have been you know called today but oh you gotta, man. that's when you got to step it up you know you got you got somebody who acts the fool and it is what it is but you know when, you, when we look back on those days we were doing some really dangerous work back then man nobody wants to see you know i i talk to people actually i still talk to people that are in the field right and you know everything is they're worried about lawsuits and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> getting in trouble, yeah. getting arrested. Let me tell you something. Lawsuits to us back then is the same as trying to figure out how people would have been in hip hop if the internet and these social platforms were around back then. Like people didn't call the cops as much as they do now. With a lot of the stuff that was happening back then, a lot more people who were working for that company or just in general who were apprehending people or whatever, they should have been locked up for mishandling people the same way these rappers and entertainers or whoever, if the social media platforms that are out now were out back then, there's no way they would have made it to where they are with their success or whatever. Cause everybody would have been telling with the things that were happening back then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cause everything is word of mouth, you know, with the telephone game and word of mouth things, start, you know, they tend to dwindle. But for instance, I'll give you a good example. like with the Source Awards from 1990, whenever that was. Everyone is still talking about that Source Awards when Suge Knight got on the stage and said, if you don't want your producer all in your videos, talking about Puffy, you know, come to death row. That was one of those moments that everyone still talks about. And that was just maybe about a two and a half minute spot on television 20 years ago. Can you imagine if there was a play by play, hour by hour on social media talking about that East Coast, West Coast beef type situation? It, what would have happened? It wouldn't be as big as it is. Because, no. And that's the thing. We would have died. Yeah, we didn't have those platforms then. So you, you had to, you made a statement. It's 
there and everybody's like, whoa. You go to page six, you know, there was no Instagram. There was, I think MySpace was starting, you know. It's no, man, that was back when it was in America Online was just coming in. You've got mail was just coming in. I'm trying to think. See, my memory gets blurry. Once you hit the 2000s, it's like, uh. <laughs> when did I, I'm trying to think, when did I get my AOL account? I, I know it was when I worked for, uh, I worked in the city. It was, so it was, uh, I want to say 91. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. 91, brother. Can't be. 99 yeah because my son was uh, my daughter was already born so yeah 99 that's crazy oh, wow. I'll tell you this much though being that I used to have to handle a lot of the paperwork and stuff like that back in the day when we were you know and we and people please understand that we worked with each other at different companies it wasn't the same company straight through but one thing that remained the same was your name being Francisco Gonzalez and everyone called you Cisco and your email address being eyes on you <laughs> changed it's never changed it's been the same damn it's been that oh, now i'm it's feeling old that long it's been that long but you know what i'll give you this brother we still look the same and we looking good baby i'm i'm looking well i ain't looking good right now i'm kind of hit because i let the beard grow out you know you still look younger than ever in fact you look younger than ever the last time i saw you i don't get it you know what i'm 38 8 39, I'm gonna be 30, I'm gonna be 40. And there are people that are younger <laughs> than me that look hurt. Hit. Mad hurt, mad and I, hurt. You know what, and I just thank God, you know what? He got me through whatever he needed to get me through and I still look fly. And yes, baby, talk your, talk your shit, brother, talk it. You know. Talk it, talk it, talk it. Cause when I saw you after that Jill Scott concert and we were able to, you know, thank God, see each other. I looked at you like my brother is looking better than ever, and we we both look good. I think we look good, considering we've known each other for the better part of your kids' lives. Think about it. Listen, you you haven't changed one bit. <laughs> Thanks, right. Thanks. I'm I'm off the booze. <laughs> I got uh, a little bit older, but you still look fly. Oh. Wow, is that even a term nowadays? He's not. Gotta hold on to it. You got to hold on to it. The same way, you know, we all got that uncle that, you know, still try to rock out with his brave bull cologne or, you know, and he's still rocking his leisure suit and hard bottom shoes. He's sticking to his shit. He's still pulling girls with that, too. You got to keep up with whatever slang you got, too, brother, because I yeah. still say dope. I still call people B every now and then. I still say son. You got to be kidding me, son. I'm into this whole, you know, my guy thing. Like, what, what, what is that? My guy? I don't know. I don't know. I'm still hooked. My dude, but now it's my guy. And I, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't. Just it's just crazy because I just learned that certain things are gender neutral. Like, I just learned the other day that calling someone a fuckboy, that was gender neutral. So I can call you a man a fuckboy and call a woman a fuckboy as well. Because I guess it's... It's just whatever the action is, as opposed to it being like behind a real gender. But I mean, I don't I, even know what a fuckboy is. Oh, let me give you the quick definition. So you see how we're having this discussion right now? This is what I gathered. Maybe, you know, some of my younger listeners, and I can't believe I'm at this age saying my younger listeners, like I'm mad old, but I just learned that after 30, I'm just old after that point. So <laughs> thank goodness for my sister reminding me of that when I turned 30. 
I'll be what, 37 coming Thursday? Jesus Christmas, where's the time gone, sis? So tell me why I'm, I was, I was talking about you with a friend of mine yesterday. Uh, and uh, she's like, don't you call her every year for her birthday? I was like, and every- to me, I was gonna bring that up too, but I wanted to just tell you what it was for first. Let's go. Fuck boy thing, see, see how we're, we're talking right now? So we're having this discussion. I'm gonna be paraphrasing here because I'm not exactly sure what the exact definition is, but I'll give you my my best rendition of what I think it is. So we're having this discussion, and then later on, you can speak to someone else who knows me, and you can you know maybe mention to them, you know, I was on a podcast speaking to someone, and they're like, you know, I thought your friend Shellyanne, I thought she had one, and you can respond to that person and say, yeah, 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 I heard she had one too. Knowing good and damn well, I am the person that you had the discussion with. But you'll be mm-hmm. very vague and coy with the person. Like, yeah, yeah, I heard she had one too. Not telling the person directly, that is who I was on with. Because you want to make it seem like you were on like maybe a bigger platform than me. Or, you know what I mean? Right. So fronting and be- I mean, I, I may be wrong with that. But I think that right there entails some fuckboy behavior. But off of the fuckboy stuff. Everyone who is listening right now, this man right here, he is probably one of the top three people that I look forward to hearing from every year. And one of them actually passed away, so I'm never going to hear from them again. My uncle passed, he used to call me religiously and have like really, you know, cool stories to tell me or whatever. But this man right here gives me his best rendition of a Teddy Pintergrass or maybe a Gerald Levert or pick whatever singer is soulful. This is who this man is singing like when he sings happy birthday to me. He never calls me just happy birthday. He's singing, baby. <laughs> I'm talking about capital S-A-N-G-I-N. Singing every year to me. And for that, brother, I don't even know if I've ever told you how much that really makes my day but if i only got a call from you every year and that was the call that i got i'd be happy listen there's there was a couple of times where we were we lost contact for a little bit and but i made sure i made sure that's one of those things and it's ingrained in my head nowadays everything's in the calendar and And you're absolutely there were years when we didn't speak throughout the whole year but that was the single time you called me yep it's one of those things I, i i'm neurotic (laughs) <laughs> or OCD or whatever, you know, terminology some psychologist wants to put on it. But I remember certain things that are important to me. So dates that are important to me, I remember. I love you too, brother. Oh my God. Listen, funniest one I think was, it wasn't this last year, it was the year before. When you called me and you missed me, but you left me a message. You sang, of course, and you said something like, yeah, I know you're probably somewhere hot. I hope you're not somewhere stupid like Florida. And I was in Miami in that very moment. <laughs> oh, I was in Canada that day, too. I was like, how did he know? This is really my spirit, brother. He knows. He felt it. And that was the first thing I said when I finally got back in. I was like, how did you know? He like, how did I know what? How did you know? He said, I always know it's your birthday. I said, how did you know I was in Florida? He said, nah, not Florida. <laughs> You've made it your your thing that for your birthday you want to go away and I applaud that. I love that. You know, it's an adventure. 
I try my best because, you know, my birthday falls smack dab and good God, it's cold outside territory, you know, so I try my very best to go somewhere where the climate is a lot hotter and I can at least try to enjoy, you know, because once it comes around like holiday time here in New York City, you know how it is. It's everyone's trying to work overtime. The shops are open longer. And at that time, those times when I used to take these crazy trips, you know, I was working in retail and you know with us they want to work you like a dog especially for fourth quarter when you know yeah you're working double time so i used to take myself out of that atmosphere and you know go somewhere nice and hot you know turks and caicos jamaica trini wherever try to get a little bit of heat and take myself away from it because did you make it to paris one year i did a few times actually yeah man but you know paris wasn't what it's cracked up to be. The south of France is a lot nicer than Paris. Parisian people are not nice. They're super, super rude for no damn reason. Good. That's one of the reasons why I have no desire to go there whatsoever. <laughs> and it's a smelly, dirty place, too. I think it, people, more people need to understand what's going on when they're spending their good-earned money, hard-earned money, to go and want to pose and take a selfie in front of the Eiffel Tower. That is not the only thing going in Paris because the rest of it is some dirty shit, let me tell you. Human feces on the sidewalk. It's smelly. It's dirty. The people make it even worse. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. But, you know, I digress. God bless them. But, you know, it is what it is. But I just want to take a moment to say to you, thank you so very much for always taking the time to do that. I don't think you know how much that affects me, but my birthday wish from you is like Christmas to me. It means more to me than Christmas, actually. So thank you so much. I love you so much, sis. Thank you so much. You don't have to. You don't have to thank me. I love you. You, you listen. You're my sister from another mister. Right, and you my brother from another mother. My God. <laughs> Since you started this venture, I'm like, I'm gonna save that one. I'm gonna save it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? So you know what? I got some other things I want to discuss with you. Being that you know, we've both uh, evolved, and like we said, we've, we've seen some different things, and things have changed, and your brain about a few things if you got some time to hang out with me i got time i got time cool. all right so let's take a short little break and we'll be right back all right yes sir mr gonzalez yes we are back live <laughs> <laughs> If people only understood that we are really the living, breathing rendition of Ren and Stimpy, I wish they would understand that about us. Like, so we, Ren and Stimpy. I'm Stimpy. I'd rather be Stimpy. <laughs> He's I'll cute in the kind of I'm, I'm owning up to Ren. I'm owning up to him. The little frail one always thinks they know everything. I'll be that. <laughs> Simple's a little cute, a little cute. Not much, but a little cute. <laughs> Man, times have changed if we're adults and we can really think back on cartoon things like that when things were better, things were easier. Man, it's a scary place we're living in now, sis. It is a scary place we're living in. It's crazy. Like what's going on earlier, like what's going on in the world, like as far as California and stuff like that. Like these people are going through unfathomable times right now. Like it's a wildfire going on and, and eating up people's homes. Yeah, I, I, we're lucky enough where we don't have to experience that here on the East Coast, but that's like uh, every year occurrence over there. And exactly. 
I don't understand how people just, okay, uh, I'm going to stay there and I'm going to stay with my house. I'm going to burn alive. And go down with the damn house. I can't believe this kind of thing. This kind of, like we were mentioning the other, like a little earlier there, it's like the uh, Titanic mentality. They're going to go down with the ship. They're going to go down with the property, but it's just... I just don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I, I get your your personal belongings in your life are in this, you know, this structure. But my God, for you to say I'm going to literally die with my home. Well, you know, I can't. I, I I don't know their frame of mind. I know for me and my childhood experience, I can literally pack. I have a bug out bag, so everything I need: my passport, my pictures, uh, emergency credit cards. Anything I need is all in one bag. So, God forbid something happens, I can grab that bag and I'm out. I don't have to worry. Listen, all the TVs, that all that stuff can be replaced. My life can't be replaced. I got family I got to I got to take care of and friends that I love that love me somewhat. Um, I love you, sis. <laughs> so, you know, that that's more valuable to me than anything, any object, so to speak. Yeah. And now, you know, we talked about it that you know, if what if it was something you know, a, a family member left you that you right. really loved and whatever. Right. Listen, I'm pretty sure they'd rather you be alive than mm -hmm. than that house. You know what? You lived in it. You enjoyed it. It's time to move on. You know. There you have it. And really quickly before we run away from what you just mentioned, please humor me as to why this bag is called the bug out. It's a bug out. So anytime you get into trouble. You grab that bag and you go. Listen, you got to be gone in 60 seconds. Grab that bag and go. Without, most fires happen within a minute. Mm. You know, my mother told me a story when, um, before I was born, actually she was pregnant of me, that um, where they lived at in Brooklyn, she she was sleeping with my dad and they were everything was fine. And then the building caught on fire. She was out in the street with my brother and my sister with just a nightgown on, no mm. shoes, no nothing, in dead of winter. Mm. You know, it, that's why it's like bug out sixty seconds. And I actually learned that or came up with that concept after uh, an issue with my ex-wife. So, wait a second. So, if you would have just mentioned that from from the beginning, I would have gotten it. I would have gotten no, the why bug out. Yeah, but, it's, you know, it's. But it made sense to me, and you know that 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 stuff always like kind of resonated back in my head after my mother told me that. I used to sleep with shoes by my bed just in case. Yes, you just you know. actually just got straight to a point I was just thinking of. I remember one of my cousin's mothers telling me that when she was a little girl, uh, she came from a family of I want to say more five or more. It was a few mm -hmm. of them, you know, back in the '60s and '70s, people were having more kids. You know what I'm saying? So it was a lot of them at home. You know what I'm saying? So they were always told from their dad, "Keep your shoes by the door." It's just very important to know where your things are, and you know, these are the things that were instilled in them from a younger age. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's just like you know, you had like little routines, like you know, my uncle, God bless his soul, you know, he used to have us with code names and stuff like that so we knew not to speak to strangers you know this little bit of training that people used to give us when you know in the 80s and the early 90s or whatever you know it's things that kids can use today it's very very important things that you know are not being taught in the household anymore because it seems like people just don't have time to talk to their family anymore mom and dad are both working you know you've got siblings at home who are playing the role of the parent 
but things like don't speak to strangers, keep your shoes where you know where they are. This, these are the emergency contact numbers. What's your mother's name? What's your father's name? Because believe it or not, there are little babies that don't know what their real, their mother's and father's real name is. God forbid something happens. What's your mom's name? Mommy. You know, it, you know what? It's sad. It's sad that it is. We've, we've lost, not saying our generation, but the newer generation has lost a lot of things that have helped keep us safe throughout the years because they've been tried and tested. It's not even like, you know, hey, I'm going to come up with this idea. Yeah, you know what? You should do this. No, this is stuff that is real, legit. It's actually worked. You know, think of it like this. So I grew up in the projects. You know what? Summer, you're out all day hanging out. Street light comes on. Everybody got to be at home. That's it. That's it. You better get home before the light comes on. Right. And then, you know, my mom would scream out the window, you know, all three of us and you know, if she didn't see us running, somebody was getting their ass whipped. And that's it. And you know, you're talking about a time back when it was okay, not for your neighbors or whatever to put their hands on you, but it was kind of like the village looked out for everyone. Absolutely. So let's just say your mom, your mother wasn't home. If your next door neighbor's mother was home, she's gonna look out for you just like her own kids until your mother comes back. You know Absolutely. what I mean? If she sees you acting up, you know, at the bus stop or whatever, it's okay for her to give you a, a gentle yoke up and you know, pull you back to life, back to reality. Like, hey, Cisco, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that in the street or whatever? Until your mother can get, you know, come around. And it will be the same if your mother saw someone else's child acting out. You know, the village took care of everyone. And now it's one of those situations where, you know, with the, you know, with the work that I do now, I'm not at the liberty to drive to every job these days, like as of lately. So I have to take the train again. So when I take the train and certain times of the evening, I have to come home or let's just say it's a 5 a.m. job and I have to come home in the daytime with the school kids. It's just watching the behavior and the, cause I'm not gonna front you. I hated high school kids when I was in high school. I'm not gonna front, you know, but it's like, it's amplified far past what it was, the level of disrespect and to see senior citizens standing up on the train and the bus and, you know, pregnant women standing up on the train and the bus or the, the volume that's amplifying throughout the train with the kids cursing and have, you know, back in the day you used to have a little bit more respect. If you saw somebody next to you of a certain age, you wouldn't act out a certain kind of way. Of course, kids are gonna bug out when they don't have any supervision around them or they're around their friends. You know how that is in school. But you, there was a, a little unwritten rule where you didn't bug out too much because someone of a certain age was near you. You know what I'm saying? It's not like that anymore. They're cursing at the seniors straight up. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I watched uh, on the news a bus driver was literally having like a, a like a, a cage match with someone in the front of the bus. And what's crazy with that is that I was looking into like some archives about, you know, riding the MTA and driving the bus because I took the exam and I'm like oh let me see what some of these experiences are like and one of those like you know beware videos popped up you know and I'm looking at this bus driver come from behind the protective plexiglass because they give them protection now because I saw another video with someone getting punched in their face from behind the wheel so they had to put the glass up what is going on parenting I it's, agree it's the pussification and that's a made-up word but it's a pussification <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's it's the pussification of parents. Parents are afraid to discipline their children now. Mm. Now they want to be their friend. No, listen, Denzel. You ever you seen that movie Fences with Denzel Washington? Well, I know the concept, but I didn't watch it with Denzel Washington. But I know the play. 
I know the plan. Oh my God, he should want an Oscar for that. Like, like nah, people- you want to give him an Oscar for acting like he's shooting somebody's head off or being a dirty somebody. See, but that's somebody explained it to me, and it kind of made sense. But still, he, how they owed it to him? How it was like? Oh, they owed it to him from back with other movies, so he just happened to get it when it was training daytime. Because he's always played someone good, someone positive. You know, you you think of Philadelphia, Malcolm X. You know, he's played someone positive. This time, he's a straight up dick and dirty and. <laughs> what I mean so to see him play that role and play it so good the acting I'm a huge Denzel Watson fan but anyway <laughs> there's a scene where his son asks him you know do you love me I seen I saw that clip he was like I'm too busy trying to take care of you pretty much right. that's not my job to love you and you know what I, I, I had that same conversation with my daughter Mm. Because I was estranged for a little while, you know, family issues or whatever. But, you know, I always handled my business. Right. So, you know, she was like, you know, I want to be your friend. You know, I'm like, listen, that's not my job to be your friend. Mm -hmm. It's my job to prepare you for life. Mm -hmm. Whether I like you or not has nothing to do with how I treat you. (laughs) You know, how I'm trying to train you or teach you how to live life. I've seen a lot of things in life. I've experienced a lot of things in life. It may not look it because I don't let you see that. Mm-hmm. But that's not my job. My job is to make sure that you can survive if God forbid something happens to me or your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, parents don't do that thing nowadays. Everything is, I want to be your friend. Oh, no, 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 I want to. No, stop calling his kids, smack them around and watch. Mm-hmm. Hey man, listen. I got, listen, I got, listen, I ain't gonna front. I got stomped out a few times in my day. And what's crazy is that a lot of it wasn't even warranted. But you know what? I still thank goodness for getting the stern, hey, I'd rather you get stomped out at home instead of in the streets kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what it's supposed to be. Like, your parents are supposed to correct you to show you, look, if you think this is bad here, imagine what happens out there with someone who doesn't care or love you at all. You know what? At the end of the day, these kids are like, oh, my parents beat me, they abused me or whatever. Some kids need to get yoked the hell up. I'm sorry to tell you. And at the end of the day, like when these kids get pulled into certain situations where let's just say the law gets involved, right? Then the kids feel like they're wearing the infinity gauntlet. I've got the power in my hands. And the next time you look at me crazy, all I have to do is just say, police, I got threatened by the real ones. You've met my parents. Well, you didn't meet my father, but you met my mother. Listen, I got threatened to my face. You want to call the cops? Go ahead and do it. That generation is not around anymore because they really didn't care. They figure, hey, I made you and there's no one's going to tell me how to raise you. You know what I'm saying? Like these days, these cops are over here telling you don't hit your kids, don't this, don't that. But they can kill your kids. I can't I can't correct my child for doing something, but you can you can. You can shoot and kill my child, but I can't correct them. So they won't get out in the street or go out in the street for you to do that to them. It's just, it's a weird place that we live in now. And it's like, as the parents get younger and younger, they think it's more important to be buddies with their kid as opposed to trying to raise someone who's gonna be a decent person in society. And it's just a scary place that we live in. You may be one of the last parents that think the way that you do. So take me for an example. So you know Justin's Mm -hmm. situation. Right, right, right. And listen, I coddle him, I baby him, I everything, mm-hmm. you know, one, and he doesn't, and I get that, that he doesn't understand, but there's also a line. 
So right. he took a swing at me once. Wow. And he was frustrated, you know, and he just didn't know how to, since he doesn't talk, he doesn't know how to respond. So he was frustrated, he took a swing at me. I turned him around, left my hand, you see, you know how big my hands are. Yes, he's got fingers like rolls of quarters, people. Big hands. So <laughs> I left my handprint on his ass, he never swung at me again. Wow. You know, when I was done, I told him, listen, whether he understood me or not, I told him I loved him. I hugged him. I, we played all day that day. Never swung at me again. There's the problem. The problem now is that all these psychologists are telling parents, no, you shouldn't be disciplining your child. There's, there's something wrong with corporate punishment. You know what I do for a living. I've speak. I've spoken to most of those guys and they're mm -hmm. like, they tell them, no, listen, it's not our job to tell you how to discipline your child. Yes. If you go overboard, then we intervene. It's everybody else telling us to tell you not to do that. Most parent, most people that I work with, they're like, "No, discipline your child. <laughs> discipline your child." And I, I mean, you, you can, you can't believe the phone calls I get. Mm -hmm. And people are like, "Well, you need to come and get him." And no, it's not our job to discipline your child. Right. You know, you need to step up as a parent and make sure your your child survives this world. You chose to bring them in the world. Now this is your job. Right. You know? Right. And you know, I don't know if you remember, do you remember that uh, that young man that I had apprehended some time ago? Uh, the guy, when you you didn't come into work that day and I got him by myself and you kept looking at him like, Shellyanne, you got him? He was like 6'2". The guy who was born in England, but his family was uh, was African. And I told you what happened when his father came into the office and the store manager was there that day. And the store manager was begging that young man's parents to stop correcting him in the office when he was he was apprehending for shoplifting. The father was a, a diplomat. The mother was working in the medical field and the father had just come into town from, you know, for business. And this young man, you know, trying to impress his friends. He was stealing. He stole a watch, this gaudy watch, you know what I mean, from the store. And what's crazy is when I saw him on the camera and I went down and I got him, he came with me. And you saw how big he was. I mean, for anyone, you know, I'm 5'4". I haven't changed in height or size in the last almost 20 years. I'm 5'4", 135, 37 pounds maybe. This guy was 6'2", 250 pounds, but he was a kid. And he came with me. And we watched that video over and over. He walked with me to the office. He didn't try to fight nothing. It was just me. And he came with me. When I said I had to call his parents because of his age, he begged and pleaded with me. But I, I didn't want to release him to the police in that town where we worked because I didn't know what they would do to him if they took him in. He was bigger than the police. Yes, I stopped him because he stole, but I was so concerned for him being who he was with that police department that was over there. Because I didn't know what would happen once I gave him to them so anywho his parents came to come and pick him up and his father had this rage about him that i understood he's like i'm working hard to give you everything you need your mother works we we both work to give you what you need so you don't have to do this and the irony behind everything was that young man had 250 dollars in his pocket when i went through his pocket information and the watch cost 30 dollars he did, and when I asked him, why did he do it? He did it just for the thrill of it because he was with friends, you know? And a lot of people do things to get friends. A lot of people, 
the, the, the gist of what I'm saying is he's a kid and he made a mistake. But when his parents came in, they didn't care to hear you're trying to impress friends. All they know is I'm doing the best that I can do. So you can do what you have to do, which is go to school and do what you have to do. You don't work and you have money in your pocket. What is the reason why you did this? His father slapped him so hard in front of the store manager, in front of the guy that I had with me that day, in front of the mother and the mother cried because they, it, it bothered them so much that their son was in this particular situation. They fought so hard for him to never be looked at in this way. You understand? And the and here's this this store manager. Like I told you, it was an African family. And this store manager, you remember the little guy with the white hair? I don't want to call any names in here. The store manager, little skinny guy, looked like Mr. Furley from Three's Company. <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> he's over here. He's begging him. He he was afraid to approach the father, like as though well, he would have got two slaps too. You know, it's like to the point where I'm like, you know, those days where your, your parents care about what happens to you are gone because they are afraid of you calling the cops on them. They have other kids they have to worry about. And if you are going to be calling the cops on them for them, you know, correcting you, they have a lot more to lose. You know, your brothers and your sisters, who's going to be here to take care of them if I go to jail for correcting you? And then they just throw their hands in the air. And that's how a lot of these youths are lost. And they're out there in the world. See, and it's it's funny. There was a case in New York. Um, uh, oh, the, the, the guy, there was a, a I want to say it was in 86, 87. I could be wrong on the time. But where uh, the lady's name was Helena Nussbaum or Nussbaum, something like that. I could be wrong on the names. You know, mm -hmm. I'm great with faces, bad with names. Um, and baby, there was a little girl that uh, they had an adopted child and a little girl that uh, they be, basically beat to death. Yes, and yes, yes. Yes, I remember what you're talking about. I remember. I remember the guy had like a weird mustache and glasses and yes, 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 yes. So to me, now, yes. that was a, a turning point in parenting. Whether mm -hmm. it was or not, but for me it was. That was a significant moment. Like everybody started looking into, you know what? People started looking into stuff when shit happens. Yes. Okay, somebody goes and shoots up the school. Well, why did they shoot up the school? Columbine is a perfect example. You know, these kids, what were they doing? What, and then they start breaking things down. And then, you know, people who, who I want to say, start off trying to do good, but end up going a different path, mm -hmm. you know, start coming up with all these things. And listen, at this point, we're over-medicating our kids. Okay. Our food supply is tainted tainted like beyond tainted you know we have all these laws trying to protect people when they're actually not protecting anyone mm. you know and they're used back they're, protecting, they're protecting a specific group of people see that's what see you know what the problem is and 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 i'm gonna and i'm gonna tell you bernie mac said i love that guy and god say rest it, his soul say it like it is come on now there ain't no more big mamas in the house anymore Damn right, Big Mama 35. Listen, my grandmother, four, eight, four, nine, hmm. that woman put the fear of God in everyone. She yeah. walked around the house with a belt. Hmm. You act out, done. She, she actually told me a story that um, my grandfather did something with a neighbor. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> he was pregnant with my uncle. Yeah. So <laughs> my grandfather came out of there limping 
the uh, the neighbor disappeared for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> disappeared? Jay, did they come back or did they disappear the way the neighbor disappeared on the, the movie? Yeah, actually, no, she came back and she had my aunt. But see, then here, okay, so here's a perfect example. My, my grandfather messed up. Mm-hmm. He did what he did. Mm-hmm. Got this chick pregnant. Oh boy. So, yeah, the girl, the lady, I don't, I don't know who she is, but she gave birth to my aunt mm-hmm. and disappeared. My grandmother raised her, raised her as she was her own. You don't hear that nowadays. Mm-mm. You don't hear that nowadays. You know, and that's like, whoa, she actually did that. That's like, that's, you know what, to me, that's a woman. That's, you know what, that's an adult. Forget about, because you could be a man or a woman, whether you, you know, my stepdad. Stepdad is a perfect example. He got with my mother, had, she had three kids or five kids, you know, but three boys. He raised us, mm-hmm. you know, and he took that burden. It wasn't even a, well, I could be he took that responsibility. Thank you. He took that responsibility on. <laughs> These need to be met. And he, listen, anytime I do something, I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder if he would do that, you know, stupid stuff, but. The yeah. times have changed. It's, this generation is lacking a lot of things that we didn't appreciate growing up, but we appreciate it now because we're adults and we can look back and like, things oh, that were life so much simpler. Things that were absolutely, totally uh, necessary that we really, really didn't think. And a big part of it, like you just said, was the big mama part because the things where your mother or your father were busy trying to raise you, going out, making a living and raising you, wherever they missed a step, big mama or granddad or whoever filled in. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that anymore. No. You know, we just need to get together and band together and try to instill these different things. And I think one step in the right direction would be like getting together on family days, like a Sunday or whatever, and watching like old movies and old things that people used to do as a family. Like it may not be much to you, but sit down and watch Kung Fu theater with your, you know, your little nephews or whoever. And that the will- Channel 5 Kung Fu. Oh, shit. You remember cleaning up the house and watching some Kung Fu theater or whatever, but it's the, the togetherness was the main ingredient, you know what I'm saying? And You know, you clean up, you do whatever, and these are different things that you carry into your adult life. Like even the cleaning up on a Saturday thing, you don't even hear that anymore, but everybody has a routine in your home. Everybody, you get up on a Saturday, you may be able to sleep in a little bit, but you're cleaning up on a Saturday. You put your music on and you clean up, and when you're done, whatever, maybe you watch your Kung Fu flicks or whatever, but there was a certain routine that everyone followed, you know what I mean? It's not that anymore, and it's just so sad. I, well, I attribute that to the work environment that we have now. Now we're working so much. You know, there's no more, okay, you work a nine to five, you're off on the weekends. I was lucky enough that, you know, my parents worked the nine to five and we had that. You know, Saturday morning, we got up bright and early, cleaned the house. If it was in the summer, we cleaned the house so we can get out. My dad used to take us out. We used to ride bikes. We used to play handball, go play sponge ball, you know, stupid stuff. And then, you know, we'll spend out spend the whole day out on Saturday, you know, it was nice out. You get ready for your Sunday and then, you know, Sunday is your sure. life for the day. Speaking of Sunday, we're going to move into that, you know, but you know, you said something funny to me the other day in reference to sports and I'd like to delve in that a little bit. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to take a quick little, a little break and we're going to come back. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> 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 
ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. No, wrong sport. <laughs> Listen, man, we'll take it from any direction. Pause. We'll take it from any direction. <laughs> off, off the, off the turnbuckle. You know what I'm saying? Wrestling is not even wrestling anymore. It's ridiculous. Was it ever really wrestling? You know, speaking yeah. of wrestling, I was watching a show called Glow. I got put on by someone else. I was talking about the wonderful world of ladies wrestling. Do you the remember? gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I used, they yeah. actually, that used to be a real thing. Yeah, it was. And it's it's actually a, a, a Netflix show or whatever network it's on. But it's a, you know it's just a series about that time about how they formulated the whole team and how everyone got their character names and things like that. And it's so crazy because that was all around the 80s and like the, you know, it's just, it takes you really in a time capsule, shows you everybody with their leotards and you know what I'm saying? They're wearing their 5411 Reebok sneakers and their shoulder pads. <laughs> so, funny story. Um, WWEF, because they had to change it or whatever. Now it's the WWE or whatever. Right, but right. um they used to have these uh saturday night events that they mm -hmm. used to air after the news on channel four so there was uh one year there was a match with uh and i remember watching because it was me and my brothers and there was a match with uh hulk hogan and king kong bundy Ooh, you're taking it back brother yeah so king kong bundy did the bundy splash three times on hulk hogan messed up his ribs whether it was true or not, back then, you know, you're a kid, you believe that stuff, right? I believe that. We talking about back in the days with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you know what I'm saying? Right. My ravishing Rick Rude. Mm. I, I don't even think I was old enough to watch him back then gyrating the way he was in that brain. No, and it's, it's sad. A lot of these guys are gone now because yeah. of whatever. Either but anyway, whatever, yeah. Um, I, we watched it. Hulk Hogan was bad, hurt bad. They had to carry him out in a stretcher. And that was the first time they released his song, I'm a Real American. Yeah. Actually, oh, bitch, I cried. <laughs> my older brother is looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> but you know, you're a kid, you're impressionable. You you see that, oh, this is this is a hero. I want to be a Hulkamaniac. And Let me tell you something. You look at him, like, We're no. in our 30s now, and I didn't accept that wrestling wasn't what I thought it was in my mind until I was already in my late teens, early 20s, because it really did leave that kind of impression on me. You're absolutely right. Hacksaw Jim Duncan. What's my boy? Macho Man Randy Savage and the beautiful Sherry. And I used to dig, dig him because that's my mother's name. So I'm like, what? oh my gosh, you're like royalty. <laughs> His wife, Elizabeth, was actually gorgeous. Yeah. Like I had the uh, like I'm like oh that's when I started knowing I like brunettes I'm like oh yeah she's hot but you know what that was the beginning of people having their trophy women in the forefront you know what I mean she was the Kim K of her time if you think about it you know what I'm saying and then that's that's one of the re that's one of the reasons why uh, who's my guy he's still making videos with different artists even the the artist uh, who like a uh, like Latin artist uh, Ric Flair. Yeah, there was something about him in the news. He I'm just like, we got married. I'm like, they're still rocking with Ric Flair. But think about it. He's one who rode his career into the sunset. Ric Flair is like in his, what, his 70s? He just got remarried, like, what, a month or two ago? They're playing something like that. They were playing his song that he made with whatever Latin artist it was. You know what I mean? Anyone who has sense knows that if your music is exposed to Latin America, you're making money, man. They have people who are like Kanye that we never even heard of. 
listen, we're like roaches. We multiply. And See, that's, that's why Trump is worried about Mexico, you know? <laughs> Are we really going to mention Cheeto 45 on this podcast, man? Are we going to bring this fool to the forefront? This, no. this clown understands that his time is nearing the end. It's almost over. It's not. They're flipping the chairs over, man. They're putting, they're flipping the sign. It's closing time. It's about to be a wrap. I was the first one to say whatever he was saying during the campaign, there's no way, there is no way this country is going to elect this buffoon. And sure enough, they did. Nah, so I mean, one or two, two things. People are really, 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 really stupid. Or they have that old underlining hatred. I would like to say that it's what's behind door number two. I like to think this is what you just said. The last what thing I think, because- I think it's a combination of both. I think the, the, re- the reason why Hillary lost, you know, her, uh, her female supporters were, you know, the Clinton years and, you know, but this, he, this guy's going to get reelected again. Cause you know what? And he played it good. He played it good. He played on people's fears. All that anger and all that hatred that people still have on the lining that they don't want to show, mm. he played on that. And he's like, and they're like, oh, we could have voted for this guy. He's going to do it for us and we're going to get away. But anyway. Because one of the funniest people who mentioned something like that was Chappelle the other day. Well, not the other day, but it's been part of his bit since he's come back into, like, you know, the forefront. He said he's, he went to some city and he was there and he was, you know, talking to, you know, the white people. It was like, predominantly a white show wherever he was performing he was like ha 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 you idiots you think you're supporting him and you think he supports you he's supporting me you're poor (laughs) (laughs) you know what we got you know if you invite me again we're gonna have to talk about comedy and come back again you're gonna be a fixture here my home is your home you know that brother because i mean we can talk for an hour and a half and then some on just comedians alone. Oh man, that's a whole other show in itself. But it's in terms, but you know what? I think this clown Cheeto 45 is a comedian his damn self speaking about the sports world because he had the nerve audacity gall and the gumption to go after athletes. Like the way that he went after someone like a LeBron James or like how he went after the Warriors and how he went after all these different teams that didn't want to come to the White House. You jive turkey. They're not trying to fuck with you because you don't fuck with them. That's the reason why they don't want to mess with you. You know what I mean? And here he is, like you just said, he's helping these media outlets and whoever, you know, all the closeted racists are like, you know what? If he's letting me just be like this and it's okay, I'm going to just, hey, loud and proud. You know what I mean? Look at this guy the other day. He, He was a nurse or he was in the medical field. He went to go and vote. So that thing is really funny. <laughs> she sounds so. You know what just happened there? We had a little bit of technology, <laughs> but it still stands. Cheeto forty five is a dick. That's yes. the it is what that still remains. No matter where we break off, he's still a dick. But yes. you know, he had the nerve to go and deal with like you know, or wherever. You know what I mean? And expects for them not to get back at him because he's the president. You're not acting like a president, so you expect them to treat you differently. Get the fuck out of here, anyway. He's a narcissist. He's just plain and simple. He's a narcissist. Oh, yeah. Bullied his way into a situation and expects to treat the country the way he's been treating all these different corporations over the course of time. Fuck out of here, you sucker. But, I mean, speaking of sports, though, where do you stand these days with sports? Please. And were you ever really a big football person? 
Uh, I wasn't. So the, it goes through periods. So like in the 90s, when you mentioned Patrick Ewing, I started laughing. Oh, not because Uncle Pat, Pat. Uncle Pat? Uncle Pat? That's when I, I watched basketball. I watched basketball and I always kept on saying, you know, the uh, Reggie Miller, uh, Reggie Miller was with the, uh, oh my, the Pacers. So I'm like, this guy has the highest percent field goal percentage rate in all of basketball. And you mean to tell me there's no way you guys made it to the promised land yet? No. No, because it was him. Who else was on that roster that was worth talking about? Think about right. it. Think and about then, it. You know, he definitely you, you, back up in conjunction with a Reggie Miller. Because I can think back on, let's just say, the Atlanta Hawks. I can't tell you who else was worth mentioning on the Hawks other than Dominique Wilkins. Wilkins, yeah. And I was just trying to remember his name. His face popped no, into my head. And I for all these squads, you don't have that many people to say that, you know, for a Batman, there was a Robin. For the right. Bull, you know, granted, you had a few people on there. I'm not going to front. Yes, there was a Jordan. Yes, there was a Pippen. But you had to still give respect to people like a Steve Kerr, to like a Tony Kukoc, to a B.J. Armstrong, to his to his old ass Bill Cartwright. My boy was still getting free free throws. You know what I mean? There, there are other people that you can still call on the team, although they weren't up there in the forefront with the Michael Jackson and the Tito that you could still call their name. So when you pull up the name of the Knicks of the 90s, I can call their name as being the Knicks when they were in the 90s because they had men on their roster. Absolutely. And they had an actually good squad. They this wasn't even like, you know, all right, you got one or two here. And they had a good squad. Solid team. And I'm going to be real with you. The jacket that I made the other day and I walked around with that jacket on, I was getting some respect. All right. The first name is Oakley. Followed by who did I have next on this? Oakley, Ewing. Who else did I put on there? Starks. Oh, wait a minute. And Mason. Mason Face. Yeah, I put those names up there, but those are just the top five that you wanted to mention. Think about it, man. The Knicks of the 90s was like if Rikers Island allowed cameras on the grounds for the inmates to play ball, my guy. Okay. Yeah, you know what? It was it was Pat Riley's fault. I blame it all on Pat Riley. <laughs> Pat Riley. I don't I don't listen. At the end of the day, you gotta give credit where credit is due. Although those guys didn't win championships, you just said it. Not too many other teams had what it took to make it to the big dance. Those guys may not have wanted, but you know how hard it is to make it to the big dance? They were dancing with the Bulls for how many years? How many years did they make it? You know how hard it is to get to that plateau? It hurt that they didn't win, but they were strong enough to get there. Nobody wants to be best loser. Nobody wants to be second. I get it. But not everyone can make it to where they made it. They made it far. Oakley was out there like that shifty dude that you don't really want to have a tough conversation with because he might make a call. And then before you know it, you're surrounded by a bunch of goons. Mason, God bless God bless Mason's soul. He used to always give me like the weirdo, don't talk to that man vibe. He used to just look like he was trouble. You know, Starks was the little sucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> he was just a small one. <laughs> he was the one that would slap you and run. And his brothers would come and handle you after he smacked you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, Ewing was the, you know, the, the big dude that was there to handle business. You know what I mean? You got Rivers. Rivers was more of the one to think about things beforehand. And I'm a firm believer that if Rivers took over the Knicks organization now, 
took it over either to be the actual owner or to be the head coach it would change that ball club around because he knows what it feels like to be a nick and he would approach it differently see and, and i thought isaiah thomas taking over was actually going to be a good thing hmm. and it, it was it was political when he was in there and it was hard and once you get like a bad smudge on you or the owner looks at you a certain way there's really no way to come back you, you know what my, my take on sports nowadays I, i'm so like disenfranchised it, 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 sports is not what it used to be so you know amen amen well i mean i never really been a football fan i was always more of a sports fan. in general i was a, i was a huge baseball fan uh i had my you know i had my period with basketball Football, I was in and out, uh, but boxing, I was a huge boxing That's fan. Another show in itself. Before we leave the football basketball conversation, real quick, I was never really a big football fan. I mean, I think with like a lot of other people, I only watched when it was Super Bowl time because you wanted to see who the performers were. That was my thing. And throughout the year, throughout the season, rather, I was always a bigger fan of the uniform than actually watching the game. Like I could watch those guys on mute. Hey, you know. <laughs> Ow. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But when it came, you know, when it came down to uh like the baseball thing, I was never a fan of baseball. My grandma was always the baseball fan. But it was like it was always very drawn out. To me, baseball and cricket had a lot of similarities. And you know, mm -hmm. they play they play cricket in the Caribbean and also in, you know, in Europe and you know, in England and things like that. It was always a very long, drawn-out game to me. I never liked it. Now, boxing was a universal situation that moved everyone. And I Absolutely. think we were able to live through the golden era of boxing. Absolutely. Um, with, see, so being Hispanic, you know, majority of our, our, we call it our sports. You know, our sports were always, you know, baseball, football, not so much uh, basketball. You mean soccer, you mean soccer though. Not no, football. No, 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 no. See, I'm Puerto Rican. The <laughs> other, the other Hispanics, the low class. Let me stop. <laughs> the other Hispanics are easy. I got friends in every corner, man. Easy. Now, you brother. want to talk about a long, drawn-out game? That's 90 minutes of guys running back and forth. What's the point? Like seriously, what's the point? But anyway, that's another subject. But you know, our our main sports were. You know, baseball, football, and mm -hmm. boxing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are tons of Puerto Rican boxers. You know, we had we had we had that mix. You know, you, you, you had those white knights, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as boxing goes, but you had it was majority of black and Hispanic. So yeah. you know, Puerto Rico had a lot of famous boxers. Mexico. It, sports now and then when UFC came in it was like boxing everybody was like oh nobody's gonna watch boxing anymore because stupid so listen you know what you go and try to go through you know 12 rounds with somebody I think I it care. got a lot bigger than the 12 rounds in the actual sport and it became more about the money and representation because That's with a lot of these guys you sorry I don't like Floyd Mayweather his father was a great boxer he, did, he wasn't like, you know, the grand all and be all. His father was a great boxer. Floyd Mayweather made it about money and not the actual sport. Mm -hmm. Which, listen, you, you know what? You're going to fight. Do you do you deserve this purse? Yes, absolutely. Because somebody's going to about to knock the fuck out of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But don't make it about that. 
you know, just th- throwing your money and being flashy and all that other stuff. I'm going to be right not- around with you. I mean, I'm not really a big Mayweather fan myself. I call him the runner. I call him the, the pretty much the sprinting boxer because he avoids... He avoids those power punches and those blows and he knows how to run you down to your tide and then that's it. You know, you go almost your full 12 rounds with him. It is what it is. He's a runner. I'm not really a big fan of him because of the whole... It just seems like it's like a soap opera now. Yeah. Boxing is not, it doesn't have the same pristine that it once had. And, uh, you know, everyone looks at the bigger picture, which is when you look at someone like a Tyson who was at the on the top of the world the way that he was earned the kind of money the way that he did. And when you see how he got used, of course you can't really fault these guys now for going after the bag before the actual love of the sport. You can't really be tight with them. Nobody wants to be, I hate to say it like that, but nobody wants to be a Mike Tyson. And they still got respect for him, but the way he- They got respect for him because they know he'll knock somebody the fuck out. Mike is not stable. But it's not, oh, he admits that. When you see the way that he really gave all of himself, he has a right to be winning on another plateau at this point in his life. He was used and abused. And when you see what happened to him after the talent that he has, and the people that will say that, they're like, there's no way in hell that I, my talent doesn't match a Mike Tyson. It doesn't. And when I see how he got used, I know it can happen to anyone. So I'm going to get my money when I can. And you can't fault them for thinking that way. Because he's one of those stories where I'm glad that at least he still has his mind together where he can speak about things. Because to see a Mike get used the way that he did, go through life the way that he did, and then, God forbid, get like how a a bless his soul uh, Ali got where he cannot speak. Ali had a right to be still alive and still talking about those golden years all now. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? But it's not that. So, I mean, if I had to trade it in, Not that I have a say in the matter, but if I could, I would say, you know what? I'm glad that Mike Tyson ended up the way that he is, where he lost all the money that he did because he's earning again now. But at least he's earning again and he still has his faculties. He's still who he is. He still he still knows who he is. He's still he's healthy. You know what I'm saying? Because he could be super rich and then have like a somebody with him, like a caretaker because he lost his mind or his mind is like soup. You know what I'm saying? So you got to give one for the other and he's he's had a hell of a story and i i can't wait till they actually give him his just due and he gets a movie just like how ali got a full you know full i know they had movies out there but i mean he needs a movie that's on the level of like a black panther an iron man on that level with a big budget he's earned it i don't know the one that um the hbo did uh with um what's the guy's name um this guy michael jai white it was actually, it portrayed him pretty good. I mean, they left a lot of things out, in my opinion. But like but you just said, it's an HBO movie. How much can they really give to you in those kinds of films? HBO made a fuck ton off of money off of Mike Tyson fights. Because I remember I remember going to the Poconos on one of those, you know, come in and hang out with us in the Poconos, look at that timeshare video, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So me and my dad stood up and- everything. Uh, me and my dad stood up and watched the fight in the hotel because they offered HBO for free. Mm-hmm. He used we used to barbecue, bring down, throw down the cable antenna just to watch him fight. And it, watching him fight, yes, we knew he, somebody was going to get knocked out in the first round or whatever. But he was just masterful, like and masterful, like yes. 
let me tell you something. There was there's something about me being able to speak from a real standpoint about things I've actually seen with my own eyes. Like to say that I was a little girl and I used to watch the Friday night fights and he was one of the people fighting. He was the main event with his black trunks and his shoes with no socks. And he was coming out there raw and ready to knock out anything that's breathing in front of him. Angry, I love it. I, 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 you know what, it, there's no, I don't think anybody can rack, match his raw power. I, you know who I thought was like on his way to being the next Mike Tyson in terms of power and having the, you know, the extra shit behind him, like all the, the hoopla of the, the spending the money, the big theatrics. My boy, Reddick Bo, I thought he was going to be the next one. You know what? He put on, in my opinion, he put on some weight. He kind of Man. lost his <laughs> way. You know, and I, Riddick Bo, listen, I thought he was going to be, you know. He was going to be big, not a Mike type. The first off, that name is just thrown away, thrown around so much. But I thought Riddick Bo was going to be big, huge. Because I'm thinking about it. We don't see no heavyweights like them again. Those days are over. Th those those days of the heavyweights being the prize fight, that's the big money. And mm -hmm. those days ended when, the, I, I want to say, towards the Tyson-Holyfield fight. He bit the air was a wrap. Yeah. And, I, and then, you know, you started having these has-beens trying to come in and, right. like, you know, I think the only, I don't even know these guys are still around. That's how disenfranchised I am with with sports now because i don't even i used to be a fo i knew stats of everybody in boxing and all that i don't even the klitschko brothers you okay. know but again those guys are uh, oh i don't want to fight this one i don't want to because yeah they're getting soft i've never seen such a thing before and i'm like it has to be the money that got involved that it watered everything down and i can say that about so many different realms of entertainment you know with the boxing we're talking about now with you know with music the mute, the money comes in and messes everything up. You know, you got so many dope artists out there that want to release things, but they get put on the shelf because of whatever kind of politics with a record label or, you know, different people who are above them who may not be as good as them, but they have pull to, to shut them up. For instance, if I'm a big record exec and I have an artist that's out there, but Francisco Gonzalez, of course, your name would be on some other stuff. We're going to call you Cisco the Killer. You coming out with a mixtape and I know that you're doper than my artist. If I have the power, I'm going to make sure that I silence you so you don't come out and blow my artist out of the water, which is messed up. But once the whole corporate scale, the, the corporate situation came into music and, and all, all these other different areas and messed up what the real essence of the, whether it be boxing or whatever sports or music, it messed up what it messed up what the real original essence was. Because when your boy De La Hoya came out and what was it, um, Golden Boy Productions and whatever, he was showing people another way. He was mm -hmm. showing people another way. And they're like, wow, you came from being an actual fighter and now you have your own production company. And wow, nobody nobody has to go and get raped by somebody like a, a what's the guy's name again? A, a, what's his name? Who you... Uh Don King. Don King. Yeah. Nobody has to get Don King anymore. You could come out here and do what you got to do. And I think there was another one. There's a few of them that went and followed the same model. You know, yeah, well, everything because with these different owners of fighters, that was their whole thing. They were robbing their fighter. Well, when uh, De La Hoya broke off and uh, created uh, Golden Boy, he right. teamed up with uh, Tommy Hearns. Yes. Tommy Hearns, I don't care whether you say in his day or not, is a 
fucking great fighter. <laughs> like, I would... And I've seen a bunch of his fights where he lost and he should have won. Mm-hmm. That dude, I will watch fight any day. And, you know, they teamed up and they saw that. Like, you know what? Listen, we're getting, Don King is getting all the money for this. <laughs> and listen, I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to hate on Don King. Make your paper boo boo, you know, but you can't, these guys are taking risk with their lives. Same thing with football players. You know what? Baseball players, okay, you, you, you tore a ligament, you took, Football players, the average football career is three years. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, it, do do they deserve more money? Absolutely, because you know what? You listen, you have a stadium full of fifty thousand people. There, you mean to tell me you can't pay this person really good? Hmm. You know what I mean? And, and they've got one of the worst situations I think I've ever seen in sports, in professional sports, and they get hurt the worst out of everyone. Absolutely. Which is so That's why their suicide rate is so high. And and when you look at it recently, as of late. Not just because of the whole protest with the, you know, the cap situation or whatever. A lot of these younger athletes, you know, the the football players, they're they're retiring earlier. Absolutely. You know, they get some bread, they get enough to sustain themselves, and when they get some bread, they go, they invest it quickly, and then and before they, they banged up, they get out. And they all move to Atlanta. Why not? Do what you got to do. You know, you're over here, you're building a family. Why would these people, and they're young, they're coming in younger. Why would you want to lose yourself for earning, you know, for just three or four, maybe let's just say five years. You, you've, you know, you're out there getting knocked around for five years, but then you go and you retire, you know, your mind isn't good. You're going to live the rest of your life as a younger man. Let's just say you get out when you're 40. You know what I mean? If you're going to live until you're about maybe 80 and you're not yourself, that's why they over here, they're, they're taking their lives because they can't envision themselves living the way that you know what I mean. It's a sad situation. Was it's it sad. who? Who was the last football player I, I, that I was it? Junior Seau that the uh, that name is ringing a bell. I don't know why. The last but, one coming uh, inside? No, the one in jail. The one who the Hispanic dude who used to play for the the Patriots. The one who got um. Uh, oh, Hernandez. Yes. Who got yeah, knocked? After, he was the last one to kill himself. Yeah, that was after he killed like his girlfriend or somebody. I don't remember the story, but you know, and they did a, a scan uh, of his uh, brain, of his brain, and you see, da- yeah, and you know what, Junior Seau's father did that too. They, you see the damage in their brain, mm-hmm. like these black spots that are not supposed to be there. They're not tumors. There's it's damage. It's dead skin. It's it's rough, man. And and nowadays baseball is a joke. Because you know what? You're paying these guys multi-million. Alex Rodriguez is a piece of shit. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Derek Jeter is the man. Those contracts are insane. And this dude got majority of his money while he it was proven that he was juicing the fuck up. So I'm like, do you go back and do you take away the bread that he's gotten? Does he get sued? Because look at these two athletes, the two runners who put their black fist up in the air. And it, I think it was just the 50th anniversary of that just the other day. Come on. They got stripped of their medals. All kinds of embarrassing things they did for for a protest. But here you are, someone, you know, they're getting all kinds of different titles. They're getting money. They're getting this, that, and the third. And you're proving that these people had illegal substances, enhancers, performance enhancers in their system. And nothing gets taken away. When it comes to baseball, Derek Jeter is the end all of the all. That dude is a stand-up guy. Um, funny story. So Justin was born the year that Aaron Boone hit the home run to put the Yankees in the, in the World Series. He was born mm-hmm. on that day. So we decided for his... Remember I was there? 
So we decided, we decided for his first birthday, we're going to take him to a Yankees game. So whether it, it was done by him or not, the Derek Jeter signed his tickets. Wow. So, yeah, so my ex-wife has that saved. You know, that's like, to me, that's like ultimate. And then you got these new guys coming up, you know, they're... They're trying to do the right thing, but a lot of them are—they lose focus, and you know, it's not what it used to be. It's not what it's I'm not. I, if I had to call one Yankees name right now, the only one I could and the only one I respect is Cece Sabathia. He's the only one. No, absolutely not. Be, it, well, okay. I can't I, call I, you a name. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't know anybody else who's playing on the Yankees right now. I don't know. I don't know anyone else. That's who I remember. That's who I know now. This dude, all this money, and he can't pitch worth a damn. That's, you listen to old ass granddaddy. That's a whole nother show. But it's like this a, thing. A so good. He if looks. You, if you if you look at him when he pitches, he almost looks like a panda bear. His ears are out. <laughs> He's making that money. He's making that cashola. But I can't think of anybody else that. Yeah. So CC Sabathia is still a panda. I'm just saying. <laughs> What did he ever do to you? You know what? They paid him all this money, and he's been injured. He hasn't been performing. And then you have those guys. You know what the Yankees, it, for me, for any good baseball team, you need raw talent with that mixture of old school. They've been there a while, you know. You sound like my gripe with uh, the Knicks and the Million Dollar Mistake, a.k.a. Alan Houston, that rat bastard. I never heard of anyone else making a hundred million dollars until that clown was making it. I'm like, this guy, he juiced them so good, man. And it was like they kept on blaming the whole salary cap issues on him, but he was injured. He, I mean, I heard a few people would be like, well, listen, now nah, you know he earned his money. When? When? Right. Why does some who? How can someone like a Alan Houston make that kind of money in them days? And when he was out there, I'm talking back when you know you had people like, of course Jordan was out there, but you had people like a Clyde Drexler out there earning big. Someone like a Aaron McKee on the '76ers. Someone like a anybody other than him. You had somebody like what's his name, Carl Malone, the Mailman, John Stockton. These are all these dudes where if you brought them back onto the court right now, they may not be able to run and gun like they used to, but they, they were making. Yes, they can. Even at these ages, like those guys were conditioned differently. And it wasn't until like maybe the last few years of past, athletes are getting soft, man. They're getting injured early and they're sitting out for whole seasons and all kinds of business. I think like the only one that I've noticed was that was hurt and he had a reason to sit out or even, you know, be gone for a whole season was uh this guy uh who played for the the Giants. Um, um, uh, Odell is overrated, and his ego is overrated. Oh, you don't like any of the fun ones. You, you know what? Like, <laughs> come on. Oh, what God? What is that short? The uh, the uh, the brothers, uh, the twin brothers. Um, darn it! If I, you got me, I, I'm a fan more of the uniform. Yeah, yeah, Tiki Barber. Tiki Barber oh, is a back in the day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a great running back. You know, he never talked crap. And you know what? If something happened, he said, listen, this is our team. Where Odell is just 
making excuses, trying to be flamboyant and all that other jazz. And I, I'm not, I'm just not beat for his nonsense. You know what I mean? I was just saying that his level of injury was worthy of him sitting out for a whole season or whatever. Like his, his injury was bad. You know, but for some of these guys, they get nudged the wrong way or whatever. I'm getting some feedback from your side over there, brother. I'm sorry. I'm walking to the car for my dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is hot as hell. Woo. Oh, you're going out to your dinner party. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta have my white friends around too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Chris Rock said it right. You need you. <laughs> Well, listen, while you go out there, they need some, you know, when you go out there to go kick it with your people, just keep in mind that, you know, I was very thankful for the time that you gave me today, brother. And clearly you gave me a time because you were multitasking like hell, because I know what you were doing behind the scenes. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate Mm -hmm. you, brother. I love you so much. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. This will not be the last time that you're on this podcast. And I really you don't have to thank me. Uh, I should be thanking you because now I'm famous. Um, yeah, I'm kind of. I know uh, you're gonna rock it out. You know, any, I, I listened to your podcast last week, and uh, all I thought about was you know that scene in the Warriors where the lady was on the radio yeah. talking, you know, giving the the gangs all the instructions or whatever. <laughs> and, and I just imagine you doing being that same way. And listen, I'm proud of you. I know you're gonna rock this out. Uh I can't wait to uh hear else what else you got coming in. Oh and listen, man. you need me? You know where to find me. Oh man, well just understand this place is your yeah. place too. I'm here we'll man. I'm here man. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah I can hear yeah, man, I can hear you. I'm all see now the technology is starting to break down on us. But what I was saying was that. Okay, people, unfortunately, our conversation came to a screeching halt due to the foil pan of rice that Cisco was carrying to his car. But I'm still very thankful that my brother took the time to speak with me while he was getting ready to go to a party. So, sis, thank you so much. That right there is one more thing to show people just how much I know my brother loves me. So, Cisco, I thank you, brother. I thank you for taking the time. And we will definitely speak again. You're more than welcome on this show. This podcast is your show too, brother. Whenever you want to come through, just let me know. Francisco Gonzalez, everyone, get used to the name. You're going to hear it again. Cisco, I love you, brother. But that's it, people. It's my first official show with my first official guest. I'm very, very happy with the outcome. This felt like a good show. I hope it went well. Well, you know what? You all tell me what you think. What did you think about this very first episode? So far, I've had some feedback, you know, in reference to the previous introduction, and I'm welcome to everything. And when I say feedback, don't think that it's, you know, criticism all the way through. In fact, I didn't have much, much criticism and the stuff that was brought to my attention. 
I really appreciate it and it helped me. So hopefully those people who made their critiques, hopefully they heard the difference in this show. And I did make the efforts to tweak the things that you mentioned. So I don't want to say the things that you called out, but hopefully with you listening, you heard that I did make a conscious change in what I was saying. And we'll talk behind the scenes, but hopefully the people who made the critiques and I did, you know, agree to it. Haha. They can tell me that they heard the difference, hopefully. But, you know, I hope I have time to grow with this and uh i'm open to anything this is your podcast this is our podcast i want us to talk about everything and anything if you have anything you want to bring to the forefront that can help someone else or something that's going on in the community that you think needs to be out there and mentioned because it's just not it's just not loud enough bring it let's talk about it this is our podcast let's try to change things around let's try to make mention of things that need to be mentioned let's bring some light to the things that need some light so i'm just trying to do my part people but i'm gonna end it right there this was a great show i feel good about this i set out to do something and i did it so i'm very very happy that this has happened today very 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 excited and i can't wait for the next one so everyone have a fantastic week i hope it's a productive one and each one teach one where you can you know try to be positive like the blood type people that's just how i live all right and i just thank you so much for your time all right so please remember that your time is your most valuable commodity don't waste it for everyone cheers everyone